I'm Matthew McCabe. Welcome to Miracle Voices. Each episode, we will be delving into stories of forgiveness, healing, and transformation that have come about from integrating the principles of the book, A Course in Miracles. If you want to learn more about A Course in Miracles, visit www.acim.org. If you'd like to visit the Miracle Voices site, please go to www.miraclevoices.org. If you feel inspired to make a love offering, please visit us at miraclevoices.org forward slash donate. All donations go to support the work of the Foundation for Inner Peace, the publisher of A Course in Miracles. Now here's your program. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Miracle Voices. This is your co-host, Matt McCabe, and I'm here with my co-host, Tam Morgan. Tam, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I am post-COVID by a day and a half and feeling pretty good. Good. We're glad you're back to full strength or near full strength. No, no, not full strength, but still really good. How are you, Matt? I'm doing great. Yay. Yay. And our guest today is Erica Clark. Erica, welcome to Miracle Voices. Thank you so much for having me. Sure, our pleasure. You made it through the very strict, tough guidelines to get here. (laughs) (laughs) I feel honored. Yeah. Thanks for sending that DNA sample. We appreciate that. Oh, my pleasure. (laughs) Erica, where are you in the world? I live in Reno, Nevada. The biggest little, what's the saying about that? Uh, The biggest little city in the world. Is there some meaning to that? Is there anything we can sink our teeth into what that means? (laughs) Well, I am a native Californian, so I could get this very wrong. Um, but I think what it means is that it just, it's, you know, it's like Vegas, you know, Vegas was huge and Reno was like a smaller Vegas. And so we had, you know, casinos and things like that. And it is a very small town, or at least it was back then when they kind of coined that term. Now, again, I could be totally wrong about that, but that's what I'm going to say, and I'll stick to it for now. (laughs) Sounds good. It's a great place to live. I love living here. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, very nice. You got skiing, you got Lake Tahoe close, so there's a lot of fun things to do. Yeah, we have an airport 20 minutes away that's an international airport. I mean, you couldn't be better situated, at least on the West Coast, in my opinion. And it's a tax-free state. That's always a plus. Uh, income tax, yes. Income tax-free, yep. yes. Mm-hmm. Great. Mm-hmm. And I know Tam likes it because fireworks are legal. Right, Tam? Oh, totally. <laughs> oh, but they're not. They're not? They're not I thought legal they're legal there. there. No. no they're and I don't legal. like least, them anymore. That's it. In the Stop city the of Reno. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I'd like to hear about the fireworks of your life. <laughs> yeah, please. Please tell us how uh, A Course in Miracles came into your life, Erica. Oh boy. Well, um, that is just my favorite story to tell. Um, I feel like A Course in Miracles has been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. I just didn't know it. And the way it physically manifested in my life um, was about three or four years ago. Uh, I've been listening to Dr. Wayne Dyer. And, you know, he's written a bunch of books about, you know, the power of intention and, and uh, all, all of his other books, which I'm sure I've listened to or read pretty much all of them. And he would often mention A Course in Miracles. And seven, 
eight years ago, I was diagnosed with uh, stage three cervical cancer. And after I went through treatment and healed from all that, I really started to go on a more or less spiritual search to find the meaning of all of that. And I kind of went down a whole bunch of different roads, but the uh, Course in Miracles kept popping up into my life. And there was one particular time uh, when I was, it was post-cancer, post-treatment, but I was getting ready to go to one of my um, checkups that I had to go to every three months after I was finished with treatment. And I was looking for a miracle to prevent the cancer from coming back. And of course, the name of the book, Course in Miracles, Dr. Wayne Dyer, Power of Intention, all that fun stuff. I thought, well, I'm going to go buy this book and see what it's all about. And so I bought it and I started reading it. And I was like, this is stupid. I have no clue what it's saying. This is worse than the Bible. I don't even know what I'm looking at. And I closed it up and I stuck it on my shelf in my office and I forgot about it. Sort of. I mean, it was there. So I'd look at it, but I didn't think about ever opening it up again. I just didn't think that it was for me. So uh, post uh, cancer treatment. I, I was a mess after that. Uh, my husband and I got married because of cancer. I needed his insurance. And so um, our relationship was very, very tumultuous um, and unhappy due to many, many different circumstances. And in 2021, October 2021, two years basically from right now, I left and I moved out on my own. I moved in with my mom. And it was really stressful that time in my life. Um, I started listening to um, Dr. Joe Dispenza, and I started to try and uh, really practice meditation and focus on the body. Um, I started exploring another lady. Uh, her name was Christy Marie Sheldon, and she worked on manifesting things in, um, in your life with, you know, intentional thoughts and actions and deeds. And I really tried to, to really focus on myself and what I needed to do to heal, um, from all the various little aspects uh, in my life that had brought me to the moment that I was in at that time. And I just felt like I was spinning my wheels and I was devastated. My life was falling apart. Um, everything that I thought was something that I could rely on, I couldn't. I didn't feel safe in any aspect of anything my relationships were crumbling. I mean, I was terrified, absolutely terrified of what my life was going to look like moving forward. And I was afraid that the stress of all of that would bring the cancer back. And I eventually moved out of my mom's and that separation was very bad. We, it was a very ugly, uh, separation. And I just felt like I had to get away from everybody. I felt like I had to get away from my mother, my husband, 
everybody in my life that was telling me what to do, saying something, voicing an opinion. And I just had to shut myself off from everybody and move into my own space where I could listen to myself, my, my inner voice. I had no clue, Holy Spirit, no clue about the Course in Miracles, nothing. So I moved out of my mom's house into my cute little uh, studio apartment. And I went through another really tough time. Here I am, 45 years old in a 250 square foot studio apartment, um, looking at the rest of my life, trying to figure out how I'm going to make it financially, all these other aspects. I felt like I was completely alone. Um, I felt like I had alienated myself and my entire family. And I was probably in one of the lowest places I'd ever been. Um, I wouldn't say I was having suicidal thoughts, but I definitely was pretty much done with this world. And one night I was listening to Louise Hay and she, in one of her books, um, How to Heal Your Life said, sometimes you have to just get angry. Sometimes you just have to feel you know, everything that's inside of you. And so I had like a come to Jesus screaming, crying session all by myself. And at the point where I'm exhausted and I might get emotional here, I was laying in bed and I'm crying with everything that I have in me. And I just kept saying over and over and over, I want to go home. 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 And I had no clue what that meant, but that was the biggest feeling that I had in my heart at that time was I want to go home. And I, pa- I just passed out. I was exhausted. I fell asleep. I woke up the next day. I felt better. And I got a uh, notification on an email or something for an app through Hay House called um, Empower You. And in it were, is, is, are a whole bunch of um, audiobooks from all the people that they publish, you know, Wayne Dyer. Um, I can't even tell you off the top of my head, but everybody. And I listened to a couple of Wayne Dyer books and then I was kind of searching through and you have access to all the books in there for, you know, you pay your yearly amount and then you have access to all the books. And so I was skimming through and I found this book called The Disappearance of the Universe. And I was like, okay, well, that sounds interesting. I've never heard of this book, but there it was. And so I started listening to it. And this is about three or four days after I had my I want to go home feeling and uh, chat or whatever that I plea to the universe. Um, and I started listening to The Disappearance of the Universe. And I was like, oh, my God. This is bringing me back to the Course in Miracles. And that's how I found the Course in Miracles. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's great. That's a lot yeah. of, uh, not the easy way, but maybe it is the no. easy way in the end, perhaps. So we never know till we look back. Yeah. yeah. Even then, sometimes we don't know, but no. Yeah. And, as it relates to your forgiveness story, it sounds like you have a lot, you know, with your mother and your husband there, do you kind of want to tease out your forgiveness story from one of those or do you have something else? 
Well, I want to back up a little bit. As I was journaling the other day, I'll I'll back up a little and then I can start the forgiveness, my Course in Miracles forgiveness journey from uh, my husband and then my mother, if that's... Sure. Okay. Sure. Okay. Anything's okay. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so um, in 1991, my little sister was killed in a car accident. She was, we were all crossing the street and she was hit by a car in a crosswalk. And I was 15 at that time. And first two things happened. One, I felt like it was all a very strange dream. And I know that that can happen when you're feeling trauma, but it was more than that. Um, I remember feeling detached from the whole thing. And I remember thinking this isn't real and not that it wasn't real. It just felt like it wasn't real. That didn't make any sense, but you guys know what I mean, I think. And I remember the man who hit and killed her. Um, it was considered a manslaughter uh, charge because she was technically in a crosswalk uh, crossing against the light jaywalking and he hit her and they didn't, you know, he wasn't prosecuted or anything like that. It was considered an accident. And all I remember back then is thinking, I have to forgive him. I have to forgive him for what he did to my sister because well, in that mindset at 15 years old, I thought I can't imagine what it would feel like to have to hit somebody and kill them. This man must be going through a tremendous amount of guilt and pain over that situation. And my, I actually wrote him a letter um, telling him how I do forgive him. And, you know, I asked my mom to give it to the judge in court and asked the judge to give it to him so that he could have that so that he would know that I didn't blame him for what happened. And I've always felt that it's been fairly easy for me to forgive situations, people, um, but I didn't really understand what it was all for. So I feel like I kind of came into this life with some knowledge of forgiveness. Otherwise, I don't think it would have played such a huge role in my life at that time and was such a tragic thing. Um, so it, it's been easier for me to forgive my parents' divorce, forgive, you know, various things that have happened in my life. And I don't really have a whole lot of regrets. Um, and I don't place a whole lot of stock in the past, but like all of us, I do get caught up in, uh, moments where I get stuck in, you know, ego thought patterns and, you know, moving forward to now, the course obviously helped me identify and recognize um, what it is all about. And I think a lot of it is how I recognize this forgiveness experience or lesson in this particular, you know, lifetime. So I just find that very interesting. And as I was journaling the other day, that all kind of came to me and I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. So maybe this has been a part of my life for longer than. I've consciously been aware of it, you know. So when I finally decided to leave my husband and move in with my mother, I realized that I went from 
the fire into the boiling pot. (laughs) I have always had tumultuous relationships for as long as I can remember. I mean, even with my parents and stuff as a kid, I I don't feel like I ever had these peaceful uh, relationships. And my mother and I have always had a challenging relationship, especially after my sister passed away because of all the emotions and things like that that go on in a situation like that. I mean, it can be very tumultuous. And I was a nasty little teenager. And I think, you know, we have a lot of um, history and a lot of sadness and grief in our past. And uh, I have sort of brought that through in all of my relationships, including my relationship with my husband and my relationship with my son and, you know, a lot of people in my life. And when I moved out and of both places, both times, there was this massive blowout, ugly, ugly fight. And, you know, it was, it was horrible, horrible. And they, they continued, you know, the horrible things continued. Um, My mother accused me of being a Republican, which in her mind is one of the worst things of, you know, I could ever do. My ex-husband, my husband accused me of being, you know, like his ex-wife, which is, was his deepest insult. And I just kept thinking in my mind, this isn't me. This isn't, you know, this isn't me. This is what these people are saying about me isn't, isn't true. But I remember I was so reactive to everything too. I mean, you know, you couldn't say one thing to insult me before I was like reacting with every single (laughs) fiber of my being and totally jumping into that and then blaming everybody, you know, for, for my reactions essentially to what was going on. I didn't understand that my reaction to it was probably most of the problem. And it just didn't never occurred to me that I had skin in this game. You know, I was so, you know, I blamed my mother for, you know, how she forgot about me after my sister passed away. You know, I blamed my husband for not being around for me. Um, when I had cancer, I didn't feel like he was really there emotionally for me. You know, I blamed everybody for everything. And I never really had any personal accountability in it all. I lived my life from a space of blame. And, you know, I, I just really didn't understand how much I had uh, responsibility in the behaviors that I, you know, was engaging in to contribute to the situations that were in my life. And uh, a lot of, you know, my childhood, you know, was a lot of blame from my parents. Um, I watched my mother blame my father. I watched everybody in my life blame each other. I watched, you know, people blame circumstances. I mean, even the cancer situation, you know, I blamed, I blamed myself. I blamed the stress in my life. I blamed, you know, so many things. Um, and I realized that my entire life was about blame, (laughs) all of it, every single piece of it. I wasn't responsible for anything. And then when I did figure out I was responsible for some of these things, I started to feel a tremendous amount of guilt rush in. And that was such a hugely powerful feeling. And as I look back, I realized, oh my God, I felt guilty about everything. 
now I'm feeling guilty about my first divorce. I'm feeling guilty about my potential second divorce. I'm feeling guilty about the way I've treated all the people. This is all my fault. All of it. This is all my fault. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, what a huge responsibility this is. I don't know how I'm going to handle this. And, you know, this was even kind of before I found the course, I started feeling guilty uh, for all these situations, like tremendously guilty, but the course kind of brought it to me. Um, I, I really understood after reading it and, you know, going through the lessons that that's what all of this was about was guilt, all of it, every single thing that happened in any of my relationships, including my relationship with myself was all because of the guilt. And the cancer felt like it was guilt. Um, I mean, and I started to just kind of connect all the dots. And when I started to connect the dots and look back at my life and every situation that I had sort of been in, it was all a result of guilt, all of it. And the course kind of helped me separate that it wasn't my Erica Clark's guilt. It was you know, the guilt from the original separation, which was a really, really hard concept for me to get. And I really resented it in the beginning. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I think I did. I resented the idea of not being a body and I resented, you know, quite a bit of things. Um, but I resented the fact that this guilt wasn't just from the things that I had done in this lifetime, but they were done from a much, much deeper core place. I resented that because I didn't want to believe that I could have ever made a decision to experience this amount of guilt. And it's terrifying to feel the vastness of the pain that comes with that separation. Uh, it goes beyond the body and the surface guilt that we feel here. It's just, a, it's a huge chasm and it's terrifying to look into that chasm and realize that at some level, at some point I chose that, you know, and, um, I see how it absolutely has colored everything in my life up to the point where I found the course. And then when I found the course, I've been able to look at, look at that and pull it up and be like, okay, I understand what this is. I understand that I need help looking at this differently and that I do need to look at it differently. And that gives me some peace knowing that I have a support system that's greater than any support system. And when I was feeling alone, away from my mother and my husband and all the things in my life that made me feel whole, I thought, I found Jesus and I found the Holy Spirit. And I realized I had so much more than I ever thought I did. And when I started to understand that I had that love I saw all of my relationships begin to change. My relationship with my husband started to soften and we started to listen to each other. And 
I can't, I don't know what happened because I still felt a tremendous amount of pain and resentment and fear and guilt surrounding our marriage. But I, I knew that I loved him and that this was not the end of our story, but we were able to talk and we were able to put our differences and our hatred aside and open up to each other in a way that we had never done before. And with my mom, the same way, I never actually had like a, a moment with her where we opened up and talked about anything, but our relationship started to change and soften. And I realized at some point that it had nothing to do with the other person, nothing. It had everything to do with what I was doing for myself with the course. And it was like this subtle shift. It wasn't like a big bang. It wasn't this aha moment. It was like these little subtle shifts that I just kept noticing. And the more that I, and I'm still practicing, I'm still doing the workbook lessons for my first time. I think I'm on lesson 303 this morning. The more that I started practicing the lessons and uncovering awareness, the more I started to realize that this was the change that was happening because I didn't change anything other than that. And it has been the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I'm still not even through it. And I've only been practicing the course for a little over a year. And I've taken my time going through the lessons. Um, but I find that I love them. And every morning I wake up and I'm like, what's new? What's today? You know, how much more awareness can I uncover about this? So the fun part is that my husband and I have been back together now for, we've been living together since August 1st. And uh, we haven't had any blowout arguments like we used to. If there's a conflict, we listen to each other. And they, it's just crazy. The way my life is now to the way that it was back then, night and day, night and day. Same thing with my mom, you know, night and day. She's, she's more grateful. Like I feel her, she never used to say thank you. She never used to like compliment me very much or be grateful. My mom has never been a very grateful person. And I've noticed that in her, there's a tremendous amount of gratitude, which I never saw before. And maybe that's the key word. I never saw it before, but there's something there that's changed. And my mom isn't practicing the course. My husband isn't practicing the course. <laughs> They're not. It's just me. So the way that it's changed has just been remarkable for me. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> and, you know, you say you haven't gotten through it yet. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what getting through it means. It's such a continue. It doesn't end. <laughs> you know, just yes. one day and guess what? You're through it. Um, no. it it's, it's continual and it deepens and it deepens and it deepens. And it becomes more and more 
part of your breath uh, to see that forgiveness uh, of yourself and suddenly see things that you have never seen in anyone else because they are reflections of what you are now getting to see in yourself. Yeah. And um, everyone has gratitude in them. Everyone has love in them. Mm -hmm. Everyone has softness in them. But it's your ability to see it more and more in yourself for yourself that allows you then to see it in others as well and and it to and for others to be comfortable to show it where there was no place for it to go before for them as well so really beautiful. Your... i have a couple questions is that okay matt sure for a moment i i'm just uh, you know i always get into like life detail questions just because I'm a narrator and I love to hear the story of certain things, even if they're horrible. Um, like when, when you were with your sister and she got hit, were you crossing with her and outside the crosswalk or were you separate? Did she run up, you know, separately? How old was she? She was 13 and uh, we were, uh, was the whole group of us that were crossing the street and I've always been sort of a rule follower my whole life. So I was hitting the button and a, you know, the crosswalk button and a bunch of kids had already gone across. And my sister was like, screw it. I'm going to just run across the street. And there was a car coming and I knew, know that she saw it, but, um, so she was hit, you know, in the middle of that crosswalk, mm -hmm. the guy was drunk. Um, so yeah. So she was by herself in the crosswalk at that time. I was standing on the curb and I witnessed it. Her, uh, the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's so such a devastating and potentially life defining moment um, and how it affects an entire family and how they respond. Um, yes. Did you have any other siblings? Nope. She was it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's um, it, it, I was um, kind of touched by you saying that, you know, you didn't place a lot in the history in the or the past as mm -hmm. far as forgiveness, but it didn't really sound like that's true. It sounds like a tremendous amount of your past is what you had to go through all the way back to your resentment of how could I have chosen separation and guilt in the first place? Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> and it, it like so defined by the past yeah. and your actions of the past that they they finally came up for a review for you to, yeah. to finally let go because you were in a more, you know, I'm not a psychologist, so I'm throwing out this term mm -hmm. in a kind of very common way, but in a more dissociative state throughout all the, the traumas in your life. They did look like a dream and there was no, okay, I can let go of that really easily in a certain level because it didn't feel real. Yes. It feels like the process that you went through was the real pain all the way back to, you know, the, your own experience of the original separation and, and acknowledging that pain before you could get to the next step of forgiveness. I yes, I love that. Yeah, and it, never... it, it is a you know we we hear in these stories over and over again the actual releasing of the pain because mm -hmm. it's so huge 
And, you know, it's so huge that you saw its role in cancer for yourself. It's mm -hmm. so huge. You saw its role, like even marrying someone for health insurance <laughs> and then leaving, you know, once you're cured and blaming them, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. for the um, when all it seemed like they promised in the first place was some insurance, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to, get you through that, to get you through that part. And shifting over in accountability to your just your ability to listen and to listen to someone else because you couldn't listen to yourself for so long. Yes. And congratulations on that that process. It it's not easy. And you know, you've been doing just such a beautiful job. Thanks. It's not easy. Oh, no one said oh. it. I always know story with Ken. <laughs> You know, when, when this woman came up to Kenneth Wapnick, you know, who was yeah. Uh, yeah. first teacher of the course, uh, and, uh, well, actually Helen and Bill kind of were, but in any case, um, said, you know, I'm just doing the course and I love it so much. And he said, how is that for you? And she goes, oh, I just love it. And it's so easy. And he said, then you're not doing the course <laughs> because it brings up the shadows. It brings up all of this stuff to be looked at and it's it's not necessarily fun but no. it is phenomenally rewarding yeah it's not fun that's something that i've been it can be though and it it, it actually <laughs> yeah. it actually shifts to that it is the more you see the the flavors and and the dream the more you realize the jokes on you and it's tremendous <laughs> fun and that is another step so so hang in there I am yeah but Matt over to you yeah I was really moved when you said I realized it had nothing to do with the other person this was you know it's my guilt and anger towards them it was all from the separation and it kind of that big shift that seemed like a big shift and it's mm -hmm. like you're taking responsibility for it and then things start to change um, you, you mentioned, you know, your deep conversation with your husband, but with um, your mother, you didn't have one, but things seemed to change um, uh, on their own or when you made a decision to change, um, she just seemed to change. What work, What happened there? That's what it was. When I made the decision to change, our relationship changed. Um, we, we reconnected because we hadn't spoken for a few months and, um, and I just didn't. I didn't have any expectation. I just allowed it to be, if, if she felt angry with me still, I allowed her to be angry uh, without feeling like I had to uh, judge her for that anger um, or feel guilty for it because, you know, I, I figured out, you know, she's entitled to her feelings and they have nothing to do with me necessarily, but I can't allow her space to have them. And I think that it was that um, allowing of the space for her to have them and me not taking it personally that actually created you know a better situation for the both of us that's huge and how is yeah. it reflected on um your relationship with your son my how son is they? he's 23 um he's in the navy and uh you know kids are one of our biggest forgiveness lessons opportunities and um you know i had a tremendous amount of guilt uh over my first divorce from his father um and I think I I had a tremendous amount of guilt because I had to work a lot because I was a single mom. And I think that I had 
poured my entire identity into raising him and making sure that I, you know, provided everything for him. I think I put a lot of pressure on him uh, as a child to be, um, you know, the man of the house basically. And, um, you know, he had to, he had to do a lot because I wasn't around because I was working. Um, and I felt really bad and guilty for not being around. And, um, when he left, when he moved out and joined the Navy, it, it crushed me. And I think I blamed him for a lot of that, for leaving me and, uh, making me feel awful. I mean, you know, just taking off and moving out, not giving me any notice. And I was a horrible mother. And, you know, he's saying that I'm a horrible mom. And so now I, I just, he's living his life. He's happy, uh, making great decisions. I've let go of this need to prove myself to him that I'm still a good mother. Um, I've let go of the need to, you know, talk to him every day and make sure he's okay. Um, he calls me whenever he needs to, when I'm there for him, when he needs me to be, but I've, I've let go of a lot of, I won't say all of it, but a lot of those, you know, feelings of, I have to be there for him. You know, I have to make up for, you know, what I wasn't when I was parenting him as a single mom and had to work. And, um, it's just a lot more relaxed. I feel like I can be there for him when he needs me and, and be away from him when he doesn't need me, when he needs to figure out, you know, his life for himself. Um, and it's taken a lot of pressure off of our relationship, at least on my side, because he is in the military. So when he comes to visit, I don't feel like I have to, you know, cook for him every single day. I don't, or, or make sure that I'm with him every single day or spending all this time with him every single day. I'm, I'm, and then feeling bad about not spending time with him. I'm just much more relaxed. Like, sweetie, go do your thing. I'm here. If you need me, <laughs> let me know when you have time. And then I get on with my life and he's able to get on with his life. And there's just a lot less pressure. That's so that's really huge. It is. Yeah. I mean, I saw moments sometimes where I'm like, God, did I stay on the phone long enough with him? You know, did I say the right things? And then I, I literally offer that up to the Holy Spirit. And I'm, and I'm like, dude, that's how I talk to him. I'm like, dude, I need to, you know, help me with this. Okay. Like, let's put this into some perspective. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's great. That's great, Erica. Mm -hmm. You've gotten, uh, you're kind of on, you know, you're on the moving walkway with the course. Like sometimes you jump on these little things where you go a little faster, it seems like. And this, your first, uh, yes, first foray with the course is kind of the moving walkway you see at the airport where you jump on and it's like, oh, this is happening a little fast. Things are coming (laughs) up. It's a little weird. It's weird and it's dark and it's painful. And then Mm -hmm. it seems like there's a little clearance, um, sometimes for a while. (laughs) Yes. True. That's very true. I feel that. And, and, and thank you for saying that out loud because I've been feeling that and uh, I didn't really realize that's what was happening, but yeah. Yeah. No. I, I always find I, I kind of run on those moving walkways because mm-hmm. it just makes me feel like I'm flying. <laughs> but I need to slow down and I do things like getting COVID to slow down. So, yeah. um, so yeah, just uh, whatever is your style, whatever is your way, no that, uh, you know, you've committed to being on the path and it is working with you. Yeah. 
And I'm glad you didn't sugarcoat it too, because you know, the, uh, the, everything's going great. There's no problems or no problems that doesn't help because, uh, we all go through these dark times, majority of the it's dark. It feels like for me. And then there's the clearings, like I mentioned, and you're like, Oh, there is something happening here. It's working. So I'm glad you talked about all the little bits that sometimes get, uh, swept underneath the rug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of those. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, I try and talk to my husband about this. He doesn't quite understand, but it's really hard. I'm like, there are times when the course is just really tough because there is, like you said, a lot comes up for me yeah. a lot very quickly and it's hard to separate the, you know, just like it's a lot, but I would never, I wouldn't give it up for the world. <laughs> yeah. And, and as we've learned, it's not the course that's tough. It's us. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Resistance. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That resistance is a son of a, uh, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. so, it's, it's good, especially. yeah. Especially when you've just, you know, you've been so steadfast about taking care of yourself your whole life in the way that you think is best. And then you realize, oops, it's all out of guilt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How you talked about blame was really powerful. It's like, what what if I really look at this blame and see it a different way? And it's like, oh, my God, I have like a, a, a blame laser and I just keep on pointing it at everybody and shooting them with it. And I'm really shooting myself and I feel like I'm externalizing it, but it's really hitting me and I feel like crap. So that was great. Well, Erica, we, we, uh, we'd like to hear what you do when you get caught in an ego storm (laughs) and, uh, nothing seems to be working. Ego seems like it's firmly in charge, frustration, anger, sadness, depression, and this course doesn't seem like it's working at all. What do you do to get back on track? I get deeper into it. I laser focus my thoughts. I listen to podcasts. I read uh, the course. I flip to a page and I open it up and I read it and I find it applicable. And sometimes it's really hard to shut the ego up. And (laughs) I could use a lot of expletives um, for that screaming banshee that it is. but I have to really, 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 really dig in and remind myself constantly what it is that I am doing or trying to do. And it's hard. It's, it's very hard, but I anchor myself into the course, whether it's, like I said, podcasts, um, reading through Kenneth Wapnick's, I have his journey through the workbook. I'll flip to a page. I'll flip to a lesson sometimes and just really read that. I set reminders on my phone (laughs) uh, constantly to help me remember uh, what forgiveness is, uh, why I'm doing this, you know, and eventually it eases up a little bit, I I feel like, but yeah, I just anchor, you know, I'll be in my car driving to work and I'll have, you know, uh, a podcast on and I'll listen to the same one sometimes two or three times. (laughs) especially if I'm struggling really hard, I'll go back and listen to, you know, old, you know, podcasts and stuff. And that's what I do. I just dig in really. Yeah. Deeply. And yeah. And what is your favorite comfort food, Erica? It can be anything. There's no, no limits. (laughs) Pizza, hands down pizza. Oh, good. Deep dish. 
New York style, which kind or any kind? Oh my gosh. I love a thin crust, very thin crust, light cheese. I love jalapenos and I love pepperoni. So it, it was hot sauce all over it. Hot sauce. Nice. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm a hot sauce gal. Yum. That sounds yes. good. <laughs> well, yeah. I have to tell you, Matt, I was thinking of you last night because I finally isolated a absolute, you know, I have a bunch of comfort foods, but mm-hmm. one is so consistent and it's the crunch of some kind of, whether it's chocolate, caramel, it doesn't matter. That's over ice cream, you know, mm-hmm. when, it, when, it, when it's heated and, or, or like a double dip, but you know, somewhere like Dairy Queen yes. when I was up or, but that, and I go to that crunch. It could be on an it's it. It can be and in anything where there's a thin layer of chocolate that's cold over. Yes. And and like I don't even want it sometimes. I don't want the sugar. I don't want it, but I need that crunch and then the cream explosion. <laughs> that sounds so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it just it it really came to me last night because that's what I was totally craving. And I thought, this is consistent forever so far in this life. So yeah, I'm really glad to hear that you've you're 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 going deep with the comfort food oh. question and thinking about it in this this way. Thank you. Yeah, no, it really affects me and people's answers really affect it does. me. It, it does. I, Fair answer, you know, it's like, let me try someone else's comfort food for a moment. Speaking of crunch, my grandpa always said that uh, if you eat peanut brittle while you're driving, you won't fall asleep because it keeps you like it's in your teeth and it's like cr- crunching and it's like, it's just so stimulating. <laughs> it's really funny because really it could crack your teeth and you have to yeah. drive to the dentist instead. Yeah, but you'll probably be awake. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Good yeah. point. Well, Erica, thanks so much for coming on Miracle Voices and sharing your Miracle Voice. Before we go, is there anywhere we can point listeners to connect with you? Or would you like to say blissfully anonymous? What, what would you like? Um, I would. I think I would prefer to stay anonymous as far as, um, as like connecting yeah, with me. I don't really have anywhere that they could connect with me other than Facebook, but... I don't put anything about my course experience on there. So if you change your mind at any later date, I think we can always insert it in, right? We can retroactively go back and put it in there. Okay, cool. You never know where you'll be in your practice. You might be like, okay, everybody come on in now. So yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, thanks again, Erica. Thanks so much for coming on and enjoy the autumn in Reno. We look forward to connecting again. Oh, Thank you so much. You guys have a great day. You too. Thanks so much for listening today. Please subscribe to Miracle Voices by hitting the subscribe button on your podcast app. If you are enjoying these conversations, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever podcast app you use. And lastly, please visit us at miraclevoices.org and join our newsletter so we can stay connected. Until the next podcast, I want to leave you with my favorite course quote, when you want only love, you will see nothing else. Nothing else.